tonight for fun and so glad <laughs> to see you here everybody let's get down and rock and roll tonight as we discuss two uh, solo beatles rock and roll albums before we get into that though of course oh there they are right there <laughs> i knew tom would that's why i don't bother getting mine i know tom's always dependable and, got them <laughs> and everything so uh anyway let's let's uh, start by You're pretty cover uh, <laughs> some of you <laughs> Some of you may know who we are. Some of you may not know. Well, anyway, I'm Joe Mayo. <laughs> I have a YouTube channel called Mean Mr. Mayo. My brother is Mean Mr. Mustard. You might have heard of, heard of him. So uh, I'm here with my three co-hosts to start with. The queen of backdrops, the queen of rock and roll albums, the queen of Beatles media, the sun queen who has books out here, among them songs we were singing, guided tours through the Beatles' lesser known tracks. And Fandom and the Beatles, Michael Jackson, FAQ, all that's left to know about the King of Pop. She does uh, Toppermost of the Poppermost podcast. I'm talking about Kid O'Toole. Hello, Kid. Hello, Joe, Ken, Tom, three of my, three of my favorite people I love spending <laughs> Monday nights with. And hello, mm. everybody out there. And she already introduced the two of you, so... We're good. <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets their full introduction. Next, we have one of the two legs of the Paul McCartney podcast video cast known as Two Legs, Tom Hanyati, who also uh, uh, does the show with Andy Nichols. Uh, so Paul McCartney is in good hands with the, yeah. that show, yeah. as always. <laughs> Thank you. And yes. last but, but not least... I, I don't like bringing him up at the end, but you know he's he's been around for a long, long time in the business, <laughs> uh, over forty years. You know, by a little. Bit, As Paul right? says, he's been around a long time, but he's still <laughs> all right for a while. <laughs> I'm still good for a while. Well, he's you know he's got so much to do all the time. We don't know how he how he does it. Uh, he just had a little vacation recently, so maybe that helped a little bit. Uh, we're talking about projects such as his long-running uh, radio show, Every Little Thing, the syndicated show. And then he has a podcast on YouTube, Things We Said Today, Beatles podcast. And he has his own YouTube channel here with all kinds of trivia contests, interviews, and uh, so many guests. Ken Michaels Radio. I'm talking about Ken Michaels. Ken, it's a pleasure as always to be mm -hmm. here. Hey, Joe. <laughs> it's great to be here. And uh, 
one of my favorite times of the week spending it with you guys right. and and of course our viewers and listeners now i'm wondering hmm last time we had mark hudson on our show right the last time we did the, mm-hmm. please watch that show it's really really a great wow. if you haven't seen it already but i don't think we covered the news then so no, i'm wondering didn't. is there any news ken Oh, there's plenty of news. <laughs> we really wanted to focus on what Mark had to say. And that's why we we, we didn't do the news on the last show. But um, there's a lot of catching up to do. We're going to start with, of course, um, the passing of one of the greatest entertainers of all time, a master singer of uh, music standards, and that, of course, being Tony Bennett at the age of 96. Tony's career stretched over seven decades with classic hits like I Left My Heart in San Francisco, Rags to Riches, Rags to Riches, and Because of You. And we know that he and Paul McCartney recorded the standard, The Very Thought of You. It was on this album right here. Okay, Duets, an American classic. And that was back in 2006. Bennett's career also benefited in recent years by teaming up with more current artists of the time, like Katie Lang and Diana Krall, and especially Lady Gaga. Bennett's last album with Lady Gaga, by the way, Love for Sale from two years ago, went to number eight on the pop charts, number one on the jazz charts. Not bad for a man in his 90s. Paul McCartney made a statement. Um, about Tony Bennett. He said, very sad to hear that Tony Bennett has died. He was a special singer and a good friend. I was privileged to work with him on a few occasions and he was always a wonder to behold. Thanks, Tony, for the joy you brought to our world. Love, Paul. Okay. Very nice duet the two of them did. I kind of wish they did more together, but hey, be grateful for that moment, Paul and Tony together. But certainly, my goodness, just one of the greatest singers ever. I feel very fortunate that several years ago, um, when it was announced that that he had Alzheimer's disease, my family went to see him in concert, and he delivered the goods, boy. A good solid hour wow. on stage. You'd never know there's anything wrong with him. You know, um, just yeah. an amazing yeah. singer. They said his la- I think his last concert was even as recent as 2021. I think some I heard somebody say, "Really, it might have it might have been might have been ghosty, but I'm not sure." I was listening to a show, mm. and uh, you know, it still was doing doing well. Yeah, I I I got to see him a few times in in concert, and every time, uh, he he just absolutely moved me. I mean, it was one of the times I saw him. I mean, I actually was moved to tears the the, the way he sang. I mean, he just knew. How to interpret lyrics he made you listen to every word he sang i mean there just aren't many singers that can do that he was he was the you know the last of his kind you know right. like frank sinatra and, right and, and so many others so uh yeah and, and frank frank wow. considered him the greatest singer yeah yeah really wow. you know and i'm sure right now you know, he's joining Eddie Mecca, who was the great Ragu from Laverne and Shirley singing Rags to Riches together up there. For those of us who remember the Laverne and Shirley show, yeah. that was Carmine Ragu's signature song. Uh-huh. God, I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we knew, you know, I think we all knew 
this was, it was going to happen. Yeah. But uh, but sad nonetheless. I mean, they just you'll be greatly greatly missed. Okay. Yeah, agree. There will be there will be a few more passings that I will note at the very end of the newscast. Uh, Paul McCartney is entering the podcast world. That's good. We need more competition. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> he is launching a new show called McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, a collaboration between McCartney and poet Paul Muldoon. The two of them collaborated on Paul's bestseller from last year, The Lyrics Book, and each episode will focus on a single song from Paul's Beatles and solo career based on conversations that McCartney and Muldoon had with each other in which they cover the stories, people, experiences, and art that inspired the songs. There will be 12 episodes for its first season. And saying there's a first season implies there will be a second yep. season. Um, songs tackled in the first season include Eleanor Rigby, Back in the USSR, Let It Be, When Winter Comes, uh, Penny Lane, Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey, Here Today, Live and Let Die, Magical Mystery Tour, Jenny Wren, uh, Too Many People, and Helter Skelter. When the two of them created the book, there were more than 50 hours of conversation they had. And Muldoon said they created something special with McCartney unfiltered. The first episode of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics will premiere on September the 20th with new episodes coming weekly. And you'll be able to listen to them on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, and other audio platforms. If you are a subscriber to Pushkin, you will have access to the entire season on the first day of its release. And in November, the McCartney Lyrics book, oh, you'll like this. The McCartney Lyrics book will be available for the first time as a paperback with additional chapters not in the hard yeah. Oh, yeah. So now you got to get that too. So, yeah. of I, think they, uh, <laughs> I think they wisely didn't promote one particular song in this first season, uh, which is a story we don't need to hear again. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't bring it up. So. Oh, oh, <laughs> you got me wondering. To some people, that's yeah. news, you know? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, the second season, they say, is already planned and will begin in February with another 12 McCartney songs. Yeah, see, we so, could have done this, you know? We could have easily said, hey, come on, Paul. We can easily do this podcast with you. You don't need the other Paul. Yeah, let's, let's, go. Yeah. let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Could have yeah. done this. Hey, hey. he's in, he's anytime he wants to, he can come on. He can yep. run the show. No problem. Anytime We're making you the offer. Come on, Paul. Right. <laughs> One of the big news items of the last few weeks and... Um, I'm sorry it's taken this long for us to even talk about it, but about uh, Penn Gillette, who said on his podcast show that he visited Abbey Road Studios, met Giles Martin, and Penn said that he got to hear Now and Then. The original recording had John's voice, piano, and the television on loud, and they took out the television. So I guess that loud hum that we heard all this time was probably coming from the television. Oh, maybe because John always had the TV on? Was that why? Well, demo? he was Which he was a TV true. junkie. Yeah. yeah. Um, from the Beatles session, they had some of George's guitar playing, which they are using in this new recording. Paul wanted to sing along to John's voice, but they made it a younger voice. That's well. That's talk right about that right in a there. moment. That's yeah. the first thing. Um, and they also mm -hmm. used an outtake from "Because," 
with John Paul and George harmonizing on one chord. They took that chord and they changed the key, which they used for their backing vocals. Paul added bass. They put on uh, an orchestra and horns in. Giles contacted Ringo and asked him to, to add his drums. And originally Ringo didn't want to. This is what uh, Penn is saying. Giles right. said to him, you're the drummer for the Beatles. This is the last Beatles song. And he ended up mailing the tapes to Ringo. Ringo recorded his drums at his home and mailed it back to Giles. The new Beatles single will be out in about a month or September, they're saying. Gillette got to hear the new Beatles song in the very studio that it was mixed in. And Gillette was also told that they are mixing the red and blue collections. And he said with the new mix, and he apparently has heard something from it, you can hear John and Paul's vocals as though they were a foot apart. Oh. He said even in stereo mixes, you can tell John and Paul's vocals, um, you know, as you hear them in your head, but there's more separation this way. So guys, what do you have to say about this? We haven't really talked about this since um, this news was made public on on uh, Penn's podcast. Well, for one thing, I just want to say, I, you know, I made a video about it. Uh, I didn't know at the time the bit about Paul de-aging his voice. Mm. Um, but people have been telling me in the comments that no, on the contrary, Ringo supposedly did say that he played on, on the song originally or something that that's not true and da, da 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 so i don't know what's true or what's not in that take that as you will you know whether ringo actually said no no i don't want to do it or he had already already had done something originally but they need a new obviously needed a new track mm -hmm. i don't know what the facts are on that exactly and one thing I, I want to say before I hand it over to you, the Red and the Blue albums, at first I was like, oh, not again, not another reissue of the Red and the Blue albums. Then I started to think, well, if they're remixed, there are going to be some songs on it that we have not heard remixed yet, although right. a lot of it we have. The song Girl comes to mind, you know, um, that's on that the Red album, and uh, maybe Old, Old Brown Shoe. Uh, I don't think that was remixed well, everything prior to revolver right you know yeah, because we right. haven't had archival box sets remixed of those right so, i mean a lot of things some of them for the one album right Although maybe, okay you know some of the early tracks right. for the one album when that was remixed well you don't know if these are even newer remixes of the early. right so i mm -hmm. actually oh. i'm a little excited if it's going to be remixed now mm -hmm. Right. Well, well, I mean, the, the, another thing, too, is apparently that that show had been taken down. Um, so it doesn't you know, if you didn't get to listen to it before, you're, you're, I guess you're not going to get to listen to it again, which then makes me think that he shouldn't have said anything. Hmm. And I've been saying all along, I wish Paul never said anything about this because it's just hmm. been, you know, now it's just all this, uh, you know, because he now said all this. That, that, yeah, yeah <laughs> now it's all this. I mean. Yeah, so I mean, he, you know, he, Paul had said that uh, we they only used AI to remove the the hissing or the TV sound. Okay, now Penn is contradicting that and saying, oh, they used AI to make Paul's, you know, voice uh, sound younger. You know, I, this is I don't want this. I just want to hear the song. I don't want any controversy right, yeah, yeah. surrounding right. so surrounding this song. Let's just get it. You know, if they're going to put the red and the blue album out, fine, because, again, like Joe said, there's a lot of songs that haven't been remixed in, in the style that Giles has been doing. 
uh, for the last five years. So, so you know, and I, I'm hoping though that the, if it is now and then that it's not going to be presented on on uh, the red and the blue because you know if that's if I got to buy it just for the red and the blue just for that now and then I'm going to feel it's kind of yeah kind of cheapens it I, you yeah. Know? yeah thank you I never heard anything about it being connected with the I'm not saying I'm not yeah. saying it is I'm just saying I I'm hoping it's not it was yeah it was another yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if it was Williamson yeah. it was it was uh, somebody was. Spout, uh, uh, speculating, it's not spouting, speculating. Right. See, because that's mm. all this is, and it's. I know we have yeah, fun yeah. speculating, but I, yeah. I hate it. I hate it with speculating <laughs> with a passion. Just give me the facts, and we'll deal with it. Just the facts, okay? Just because the facts, mm -hmm. because you know we all. I guess I guess people love to speculate. That's fine, but I'm a facts guy. That I want the facts, and and then we'll deal with it then. I I completely agree with you, Tom. Yeah. But you know how it is in the Beatle world. There are people out there that oh, have yeah. podcast shows. And the minute there's, there's a splinter of news, you have to. they have to <laughs> say something about it. Right. Yeah. And if you don't say something, then people question, why aren't you saying anything? <laughs> yeah. Now, so yeah. It, it's a yeah. tough position to be yeah. in. But just present, yeah. if you're going to do it, present it as speculation. Mm -hmm. don't, yeah. don't present it as fact or confirmation. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Well, right. of course, my initial reaction was, since when is Penn Jillette a Beatles insider? That was my first right. reaction. Yeah. I had right. no idea that, that you know, I guess he and Giles must be friends. I, I, I guess that must be it. Um, I, I guess the other, you know, alarm bell that ran up, that rang for me was when he was talking about, you know, the background of now and then, and he kept saying, that they first worked on it in the 80s and he right. went through this whole thing about 80s and i was like nope right. that's that's oh, not oh. that's not the story you know so i thought right hmm, i'm you know so alarm bells were were going off for me so i'm like okay he doesn't have the story right um and uh, you know i just wondered i'm not saying he didn't hear it i'm not saying he's lying or anything like that mm. but i just wondered you know and then talking about the ai stuff and you know I'm just wondering, you know, how much of this story does does he have right? I mean, how accurate is right. this? Yeah. So yeah, how again, accurate. yeah, I'm not yeah. saying he didn't hear it. I'm just saying hmm. I I don't think I just wonder how accurate the the background is here. You know, the the whole story. Yeah. Um, as far as the Red and Blue album, I mean, I'll admit I was really disappointed when I heard that because I just thought you know come on where's the rubber soul box set? Right. i mean i just there's so many other things i would rather see you have a good point joe though that there are some songs that would be on it that we haven't heard remixed yet i mean that's that's a good point mm -hmm. um but you know i and admittedly i've never felt a great connection to the red and blue albums because that's not how i was introduced to the beatles uh you know the red and blue albums just weren't that big in in my life i mean as i've said many times it was the 20 greatest hits that introduced me to the beatles so admittedly they just haven't been as as big in in my life you know so that's that's just me but i you know and and tom you know i agree if that this was if this is somehow connected to the red and blue albums and i had to you know buy one or the other at all to get now and then, yes, I would not be happy. You know, so I'm hoping this is some separate kind of. Uh, would they have to change the title? 
67 yeah. to 70 you couldn't yeah i mean then yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah exactly so i i mean yeah i i that i would feel a little ripped off i would i would admit but um so you know i'm i'm excited to hear whatever this is but i agree with you tom this this speculation maybe they're just trying to build excitement for this particularly paul they don't have to that's what yeah, i'm trying to say i don't know why are they there doing does, it? i don't they don't have to do this i mean it's the beatles for for christ's sake you know yeah just, right uh, no it's true you know the, the, well, the popularity is still there i mean once this does get announced i you know i i, I really feel that that that's all they needed to do. There just there didn't need Paul didn't need to let this slip, you know, uh earlier this month, and then Penn didn't need to do this I, little I thing. Do, I, didn't need well, to do his I do on. think you it know, creates excitement yeah. though. I mean, I'm you know, I do like it a little bit, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. But Paul what's knows. true and what's not. Mm -hmm. Paul knows yeah. what he's doing. Okay. He's doing this to start I, generating excitement. Was. And you know, <laughs> he's doing this while he's promoting his book of photos and more attention. Yeah was paid to now and then than mm -hmm. the book yeah um, he started saying that with, so with, um, the, with the because line by the way i'm not i'm not thrilled with that idea of putting because in there unless i, I yeah. don't have this this straight is it a line that wasn't used in because like a different thing if we're going to sing the same words that are in because i'm not going to be wild about that the same or or yeah or were they so, just harmonies that he's talking about right. you know backing harmonies oh, eyes and things eyes and oohs and mm -hmm. things like that yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's starting to remind me a little bit of love. You know, yeah, Frankenstein. Yes, yeah. So I don't know. This is this, and, and so yeah, this this uh, description from Penn Jillette, It's like okay, now I'm further confused. But then that whole section where he talked about it being in the '80s. All right, I'm like okay, now the credibility's gone down uh -huh. uh, a bit. So. Right. You know, again, I'm not saying he didn't hear it or anything like that. You know, somebody mentioned in the comments, why would he lie about this? I'm not saying he's lying about this. I'm just saying right. that he may have the details, you know, a bit mixed up. That's all I'm saying. Right. You know? Well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with Tom. It's like, just wait till the record comes out and listen yes. to it and then judge it. At mm -hmm. this point, I don't want to hear any more bits of information. I just want to hear the sign, then present all the facts to us. Everything that yeah. we should know about the recording of it but there you um, go and as far as the red and the blue you know they were really important releases i mean they were the beatles one of its time right and they were on the charts for a very long time and i know that you don't have any connection with it kit but a lot of people who grew up with it did oh and yeah in the 70s absolutely the important thing about those two collections is that it wasn't just the greatest hits because they did have a lot of album cuts in there um certainly mm -hmm. they had to mm -hmm. put a lot of album cuts in the blue collection because from yeah. 67 to 70 there were less singles that were being released right. so you had a, i don't want to say pad the collection because it's all great stuff how can you have nothing from the white album you know or you, right. with no singles from the white album when it first came out right or, well because uh, obla di obla da was a single in other countries you know so i mean to your point yeah why not have anything from the white album on there it doesn't make any yeah. sense but they were really important collections and um mm -hmm. i always think that it's important periodically to put out something that caters to a mass audience and not mm -hmm. just the hardcore fans that are looking forward to every archival box set but i also don't want this to take the place of rubber soul <laughs> you know yes i, I don't you're see gonna that. get all that stuff you're gonna get that i'm sure 
-hmm. No, but I mean, I, I think most of us were expecting it by the end of this year. We still right. don't know if we're going to get it at the right. end of this year. I think this is a way for them at just expanding these releases, right? Because once these these last albums are out i mean then what's next after that then we get into what 65th anniversaries and, and, and stuff like that so I, I think this is a way to just like okay let's say it's halftime all right so now we're dealing with uh you know the red and the blue the new song and then we'll continue with the the rest of the albums so well, that's none of this knows. is just halftime yeah this exactly. is, nobody knows this is all a guessing nobody game knows. All speculation <laughs> speculation your favorite tom there you go. You, you got fans? me in. Just when I thought I was out, you pulled me back in. There are fans out there that love all this speculation yeah. stuff. So, mm -hmm. yep. There was a part of me that thought, hey, you know, this year is the 60th anniversary of Please Please Me and with the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will they go back to that or are they really going to do Rubber Soul? And then this yep. threw me completely off with the Red Yeah. Movie. So, yeah. Who knows? More news. Paul is in a new documentary called Squaring the Circle, The History of Hypnosis. This was the team that did amazing artwork for album covers for Paul, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Peter Gabriel, The Alan Parsons Project, Noel Gallagher, and 10CC. Best known for the front cover of Dark Side of the Moon for Paul McCartney and Wings, they did all the album covers from Band on the Run through Back to the Egg, and after that for Tug of War. So Paul is in this new documentary. Our good friend Ken Womack wrote in Salon that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland is commemorating Ringo's recent 83rd birthday by having his peace and love statue on display there, and it will be there all summer long. The museum is continuing to run their Beatle film from Get Back to Let It Be, which runs through the end of the year, and they also have John Lennon's famous Epiphone Casino guitar that he played on the Apple rooftop. According to the Beatles newsletter, the very popular Cirque du Soleil show that we just talked about, the Beatles Love, which has been entertaining over 11 million fans for 17 years now, rumored to be ending later this year in Las Vegas. Now we hear we'll be continuing through 2024 wow. at the Mirage Hotel in partnership with the Hard Rock International. Couple of releases on Dark Horse Records, Shanker Family and Friends, which just reissued on July the 14th, produced by George. This is Robbie Shanker's 1974 album, now available again on Orchid, Color Vinyl, and CD, and remastered by Paul Hicks. Dark Horse Records will be releasing Joe Strummer's iconic London Benefit concert and his unexpected last reunion with Mick Jones of The Clash for the release live at Acton Hall, remastered for CD and double LP. This is the first no, time the album has been. Quick. What's that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll wait. Um, the album has been available on CD. Uh, this is the first time it's going to be available on CD, and it's a full vinyl release, featuring a two LP clear vinyl with gatefold packaging, new liner notes, and previously unseen photos. Again, remastered by Paul Hicks. Release date for this is August the eighteenth. All right. So say? the um the uh the um the song the track that they released on george harrison's youtube channel that coincide with that shankar family and friends uh is 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 phenomenal it's the most clear video i've seen of of the of that 74 tour uh it sounds phenomenal so you know whether wow. or not the the uh you know um 
uh, they whether or not uh, the Peter Jackson's team were was you know used their their uh, mail to help clear it up or, or use it for the uh, the audio. But this is some of the most amazing footage. It looked like it was just filmed. It, it looks beautiful. So go to George Harrison uh, YouTube channel and you'll see uh, that video that coincides with that uh, re-release of Shankar Family and Friends. Okay. Thank you, Tom. I'm making a note of it. Right Check after it the show's over, I'll be watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Our friend Glenn Greenberg is back with a new bookazine all on the making of the Beatles White Album. Every song and every story behind the songs are covered. Glenn has had bookazines dedicated to John Lennon and also Paul McCartney for when it was his 80th birthday and recently had one uh, all on Beatles trivia. So you can look for that in supermarkets and pharmacies. Uh, the making of the Beatles White Album. With special thanks to Scott O'Rourke, um, who hmm. sends me news all the time. Um, does a Beatles show on uh, WUSB on Long Island called With the Beatles. An excerpt of the Beatles recording of Magical Mystery Tour is featured in the new Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. There's a new release coming out August the 18th, Abbey Road Reimagined, a tribute to the Beatles, produced by our friend Fernando Perdomo. Hey. All of the songs, we know him from the Ramon tribute uh that yes. he did Excellent. that he worked on with denny sywell um all the songs on abbey road are covered some have already been released before um this will be on cleopatra records on cd that's coming out august the 18th also just released on june 2nd is a digital album called play mccartney it's by malik rashan r-a-s-h-a-u-n and max kumo C-O-M-A-E-A-U. Malik plays the piano. Max does the lead vocals. That's all it is. Piano and vocals. It's made up of 11 solo McCartney songs, all performed with a jazzy twist. And there are covers of very deep McCartney tracks, including, probably because of Kit's book, the song <laughs> we were singing, uh, Single Pigeon, cool. Jenny Wren, Women and Wives, Calico Skies, Get this, If I Take You Home Tonight, the song oh, wow. that Paul gave to Diana Krall to record. Nice. And When the Wind is Blowing. That's amazing. All on this new collection. Check that if out. you're interested, you can go to the website for Max Camo, M-A-X-C-O-M-E-A-U dot bandcamp dot com, and you will find it there. Um, the group known as Theater Within, they have been doing John Lennon tribute shows every year since his passing. Um, the 43rd annual John Lennon tribute will take place on December the 2nd at City Hall in New York City. And headlining the show will be Graham Nash. Along with that, Judy Collins will perform, Rita Coolidge, The Kennedys, Willie Nile, Roseanne Cash, and Mark Cohen. If you want more information, you can go to LennonTribute.org. And we also have... Just a few weeks away, the Chicago Fest for Beatle fans happening August 11th through the 13th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Special guests include Greg Bissonette, Jay Bergen, Patty Boyd, Billy J. Kramer, Joey Mullen, Terry Sylvester. And uh, for more information, you can go to thefest.com. Also, authors such as Kit, who will be on many panels, <laughs> uh, Alan Cozen. 
my friend over from Things We Said Today, my fellow co-host, Ken Womack, of course, will be there, and Al Sussman. And you have some information you want to pass along, Kit. Uh, yes, um, I am indeed going to be on many panels uh, representing us um, and uh, also Toppermost of the Poppermost and Talk More Talk is indeed going to have a panel there. Uh, unfortunately, my co-hosts aren't going to be able uh, to make it, but Ken Womack is pinch hitting and he's an adjunct member anyway, a founding member, in fact. So, <laughs> uh, so we are uh, going to uh, have a, uh, a sequel to the panel we did last year. We're going to do another rack our brains and uh, we are welcoming back uh, the terrific group of authors uh, that we had last year Piers Hemmingson mm. uh, Chuck Gunderson and Al Sussman and uh, we had such a good time doing that last year we thought hey we gotta we gotta do it again and so uh, we need all of your help out there uh, we'd like you to send us your questions now as you remember uh, with you guys uh, that uh, it is not true Trivia, you know, as you remember, <laughs> this is not, you know, you're not going to try and stump us with, um, you know, uh, how many times Paul blew his nose during the recording of yesterday. It's nothing <laughs> like that. Okay. Uh, two. This is, yeah, two. Well, very good. I thought it was three. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so a lot of people on, think that. Yeah, I know. He, I know dream, a, he dreamed the third one. The, the dream the third one that's what but he did. yeah that's right yeah. he dreamed <laughs> so, a lot didn't he yeah he did yeah, right. he a lot uh and so these are opinion questions and we're kind of because this is beetle fest we're kind of expanding the scope here so they can be solo questions but they can be beetles questions as well so these are strictly opinion based so you can post your questions uh right in the comments to this video. Uh, so again, they have to uh, be in before August 11th because that's the beginning of the fest. I don't know what time the panel is going to be yet. Uh, as soon as I know that information, I will of course post it right on our Facebook page. I'll probably post it on our YouTube channel as well. So everybody knows. And uh, we definitely hope to see you there. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and I hope to see you. Uh, I'll have an author table there. And I hope to see you on all the other panels. I'll post those as well as soon as I have the information. So it'll be a blast. Okay. Very good, Kit. Um, we're just going to close with a few passings that we have to mention here. Uh, we mourn the loss of singer, actress, and fashion icon, Jane Birkin. Mm -hmm. Now, she is known for her personal and artistic relationship with songwriter Serge Gainsbourg. And for her Beatles connections, there are actually yeah. two of them. She played the main role in the film Wonderwall of the very attractive model that lives next door to an eccentric scientist played by Jack McGowan, uh, who was like a peeping Tom looking for Jane through a hole in the wall between them. The 1968 movie had George Harrison do the film score. And ironically, Jane Birkin's character name in the film was Penny Lane. Hmm. Not the only movie to have a character named Penny Lane. <laughs> You know what I'm thinking of? Almost famous. Uh, uh, Kate yeah. Hudson's character was uh, Penny Lane. Anyway, George, Patty Boyd, Ringo, and wife Maureen, and Jane Birkin were seen together at the Cannes Film Festival for Wonder for Wonderwall. But there's one other connection. Yes. She and husband Serge 
had a daughter, yep. Charlotte, yep. for whom Paul McCartney wrote a song and played piano, guitar, additional drums, and probable bass for the song Songbird in a Cage, released in 2017, which I've talked about, I think, on Two Legs. With yeah, and yeah, it's um, it's an amazing record. I love the whole thing. I mean, the Songbird in a Cage is fantastic, but the rest of the rest of the album is fantastic. Hmm. I didn't hear the rest of her album. I only heard the one song. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, yeah. she's. I mean, the music is great. I mean, she's she's singing in French. Uh, but the the Songbird in a Cage is the only song sung in English. But I really enjoy the record. Yeah. When I heard it, I thought she sounded a lot like Linda. Mm, yeah. Vocally. Also, we note the death of Mo Foster. He was a multi-instrumentalist, probably best known as a bass player. He played on eight of the 10 songs on Ringo's Old Wave album, and he was one of four co-writers for In My Car with Ringo, Joe Walsh, and Kim Goody. He died from cancer on July the 3rd at the age of 78. Finally, we note the passing of Dick Biondi, who was a legendary voice of Top 40 Radio in Chicago, who is believed to be the first American DJ to play a Beatles record when he played Please Please Me on Chicago's WLS in February of 1963. It's believed he is. I don't want to go on record and say definitely he is because you get all kinds of reports out there. And I do know that in California, Please Please Me was played when it was released on VJ here, but I don't know the exact date. So who was really first? But certainly Dick Biondi was one of the first. It's safe to say that. The Chicago Sun-Times reported that at his peak at Top 40 Powerhouse WLS from 1960 to 1963, Biondi had a 60% share of all listeners, attracting millions of teens in 38 states and Canada. He had a 67-year career and was inducted into wow. the National Radio Hall yeah. of Fame in 1998. And uh, Dick Biondi died on June the 26th at the age of 90. And I know that, uh, Kit, you wanted to say something because you grew up listening to him. Yeah, I mean, he, it is, I'm not uh, exaggerating when I say he was, he was a legend here. I mean, mm. he, he was on the radio for, I mean, generations listened to him and me included in, in high school. Uh, in the 80s, I when I was really learning about music from the 50s and 60s, uh, I would listen to a station that that he was on. This was, of course, long after his WLS days. Uh, uh, that was called Magic 104 WJMK. If there's Chicago listeners out there, you'll probably remember this station 104.3. Mm. And uh, and he was on there uh, a, a lot. And I would listen to him and you know he would talk about these different artists freddie boom boom cannon i remember talking uh -huh. about him and you know and learning about all these these people and and uh i considered him one of my music teachers and so you know i, I this was kind of another case of you know this wasn't a surprise he'd been sick unfortunately for a while but uh but felt very sad i mean this was kind of a personal loss for me because as I said I felt like he was one of my teachers and, and taught me all about 50s and, and, and 60s music so he is a, a legend here he did come to Beetlefest uh, once oh. um, he, he did uh, unfortunately he was a little frail uh, by that point so he didn't stay as long as as he could have uh, or would have normally I should say but um, you know never got to meet him uh, formally but uh, 
what a loss for Chicago. It's a, it's a sad day, but not a loss for music. But he's got that place in, in Beatles history and uh, and in, you know, rock history in, in yeah. general. So great loss. Yeah. Having grown up with legendary top 40 DJs in New York City, I know what it's like when they're like part of your family. Yeah. You know, yeah they introduced really. all this music to you that become part of who you are. And so, mm. uh, you know, my heart goes out yeah. to all the Chicago listeners. And, yeah. you know, he was big all over the country. Yep. So, uh, sure was. yeah, a giant for sure. Yeah. And uh, hmm. that's all the news this time. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to catch up on. Well, I'm trying to get myself going. I'm going to rip it up. and I'm going to try to, like, <laughs> get to stand Here by come me. The puns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're slipping and sliding into it now. Okay, let's just. Uh, yeah. ah. Okay, let's get started. All right. So our main topic. <laughs> well, you know, the two albums we're going to discuss: John Lennon's rock and roll album from 1975, and Paul McCartney's album Chobabi CCCP, aka the Russian album, uh, released in 1988. Now, when we were going to do this, we were thinking, well, what about? Run Devil Run. And some people had asked in comments, are you going to do Run Devil Run also? I I, I just felt that uh, one by each for the first show would be good because you have you know the John's first and then Paul's first, you know. Uh, Run Devil Run, I think if we were going to be talking about Run Devil Run, I'd have a lot of different things to say than I do tonight uh, mm. about this. But that's just me. Well, so I was thinking as the moderator, how was I going to handle this, you know? And I thought, well, maybe first I'll uh, let's talk about just some basic things about each album one at a time with a little history. We don't have to get into the songs yet. You're just like a history and what impressions, what first impressions of things. So I thought like Rock and Roll by John, you know, uh, was released in February of 75. But of course it had... <laughs> crazy history where it started out being uh, produced by Phil Spector and the sessions in October of 1973. And then there were all, all kinds of craziness with Spector as a, people who knew him could attest to <laughs> a lot of crazy things go on. And then John had to finish it off a year later in like October of 74. And uh, then we had the Morris Levy suit because uh, John had uh, been sued for copyright infringement because of a line in Come Together, where he uh, was singing, Here Come Old Flat Top, which is actually from a Chuck Berry song, You Can't Catch Me. And, hmm. uh, you know, uh, as part of an agreement in a settlement, John was uh, told and he agreed to record three Morris Levy owned songs on his rock and roll album, which he did. And then we have a whole other thing where an album was put out on television by Adam 8 Limited without John's permission. Uh, before John's album ever came out, you got this thing called John Lennon Sings the Great Rock and Roll Hits called Roots, for short, mm -hmm. the Roots album. And it had some tracks uh, that, like Angel Baby and I think Be My Baby, which weren't mm -hmm. even ultimately wouldn't appear on John's finished release. The ugliest uh, cover so, ever, too. Oh, I was <laughs> yeah. just gonna say that. God awful. Yeah, yeah. God I'm not very, I, I, am not. It's not one of my favorites. I got it. I have to mm -hmm. concur. Um, but uh, yeah, then there was the whole thing with now John's got to like sue and and uh, 
I know there's been shows on this. Ken did a fantastic show that I listened to. And uh, just so you could talk a little, just very little about that, Ken, you know, the, the author of the book, Jay, you know. Jay Bergen, who will be a guest at the Fest for Beatle Fans yes. in Chicago, as I mentioned before. And, you know, he's he's been very active at the Fest doing interviews remotely. <laughs> this time, though, he'll be there in person. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was John's defense attorney throughout this whole thing and his book, Lenin, the mobster and the lawyer takes you through the entire history of it all and even has transcriptions of what people said in court, everything that John said in court and how well how well he handled himself. But, um, you know, it was a bit of a nuisance that John had to deal with this in the middle of all because just not not because he had to stop the sessions for rock and roll. He didn't resume them because for another year because Phil Spector held on to the tapes the master tapes and once um, Al Corey from Capitol Records was able to get them and send them to John did things pick up again and that was a year later at um, you know the record plant East and um, John finished recording rock and roll after uh, he recorded Walls and Bridges but everything about the court case is covered in that book and um, you know it, and and you find out in the end that Morris Levy ended up losing a lot of money in the whole case. He, you know, and um, just the hassle of of um, what John went through and how Morris Levy and his lawyer wasn't even prepared when they were in the courts how to handle themselves. Um, it's it's a fascinating thing. It's it's taking advantage of John because of his celebrity status and being a Beatle and. Um, but it's um, it's definitely a book I would recommend you're getting, and if you can check out the interviews that that I've done um, on my channel, and also on things we said today. Jay was a, a guest as well, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting. It, it's a part of history that you knew a little bit about, but now you know the whole story because oh. of Jay Bergen. Yeah, and that uh, the so-called bogus television record roots for short. Mm -hmm. It's a real collector's item if you can get an original. I, I still haven't found an original. I have a, right. a counterfeit, I saw, as most of us do. Uh, I saw <laughs> but, one uh, at uh, one of my local record stores for 100 bucks. Wow. Was there, and I wasn't going to pay what, that. Yeah, I was you weren't? Oh, oh, you have a counterfeit thing. Yeah. Right, but, but for I me, I would have. You should have told me. I would have got it. Yeah. Was, it was proven original. I would have taken it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, that's not actually a bad price. <laughs> not bad yeah. for that if it's original. But yeah, uh, yeah. so anyway. Um, now, I know I love the cover of the Rock and Roll album. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Mm -hmm. Early Hamburg shot, black and white, John in the doorway, Jorgen Vollmer taking that that picture. Oh, it fits the album so well. Wow. And um, I, before we go into too much about it, I thought at first, like, like I like to do, and as we usually do, when we first heard of the album or heard it, you know, seen, seen it, uh, I know for me, uh, I didn't really become like a solo collector until around 78, 79, you know, um, with Bad Boy, the Ringo album <laughs> of all things, and the self-titled George Harrison album. So I didn't get that when it was new, but I do, I have this memory of it being in, in some kind of, it was weird, we had a little store, it was a little novelty shop, not a big department store, and they sold like model kits and model paint and all kinds of accessories and things and 
I just remember seeing that album there, and I, I, I the cover was so cool <laughs> at the time, even to me as like a you know pretty young at the time. I just thought that's cool. That's John Lennon of the Beatles. It's before hmm. I became a real diehard fanatic, but I remember hmm. seeing it. So Ken, uh, I always we all like to start. We kind of go, I guess, more or less the older ones. You and I, you know. Uh, so I concluded me, <laughs> you know, I. I know, I know, I look young, but I'm not. <laughs> wow, <laughs> we're the youngins, and I'm also I'm, I'm modest too. No, 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 seriously. So, I know you you are, are familiar with a lot of the albums. You were really into it from the beginning with the solo albums. You were getting them pretty much as they were coming out, or you remember them when they were coming out. Well, certainly from say 1970 through 73 i got the solo albums pretty close to when they were released maybe not the day of the release but 73 was like the awakening for me that's when i got everything when it came out exactly when it came out but um you know what i do remember a lot about this particular time it was an exciting time because there was so much product coming out from the solo beatles in 73 and 74 and rock and roll was only a few months after walls and bridges so this is like wow this is a lot of music coming out from john and i was really excited about it i didn't really know anything about the morris levy lawsuit i don't even oh. think it was mentioned all that much in, in the papers as oh. a matter of fact that is one thing that is brought up in jay bergen's book is the fact that it got no publicity and here's yeah. John Lennon getting sued, yeah. and there's nothing in the papers yeah. about it. So, um, yeah. But I was very excited about this because this, this flurry of music from John. Um, I've always kind of, unfortunately, looked at albums like Rock and Roll or um, Shoba B, CCCP, not as important as albums where it's all original material. I've come to think differently since then because this is all music that the Beatles grew up on and that they loved. So it's important for us to know that too. Right. But um, I really enjoyed rock and roll when it first came out, despite the fact that it's, you know, all unoriginal, it's all covers. But um, it was an exciting time because I liked just about everything on the album when it came out and still do. And I liked the production behind it and didn't know about all the problems with Phil Spector until John gave interviews about it, yeah. which was right around the time when the album came out. But even still, I wasn't super critical of the production of Phil Spector. I still am not. But um, that's I remember that time because of so much solo music coming out, like from 73 through 75, there's a lot of music all at once. And um, with John Walls and Bridges back to back, but also rock and roll came out so early because of Roots being released, you know, and um, because the sales would have would have it would have really hurt the sales of rock and roll, probably the later that you put it out with Roots oh. being out there, although that was recalled very quickly, too. Oh. So, you know, everything had to be rushed out and, and John had to finish the album in the studio to make sure because they'd heard about what Morris Levy was planning to do. So, you know, a lot going on all at once, but to me still a, a very exciting time because of so much music coming out and because I really liked what I heard. I've yeah. always wondered uh, because he started it in 1973. And I remember one time hearing some interview with John from the many where he said, well, I, I remember 
getting into the idea when it was a new idea. He said something like that, like the 50s and all this. Because if he had gotten it done and taken care of rather quickly, and it came out, say, in 74 or, or, or earlier, mm. you know, you, you had American Graffiti in 73 and Happy Days in 74. I think it actually might have had more of a boost had it come out in the Happy Days era when that premiered and more of the, the 50s thing. I'm not going to say the 50s craze was over by 1975, but it really was you know, really at its peak, I think around 73 and four, as I remember it as a kid, you know, seeing the uh, the movie uh, American Graffiti and then Happy Days when it premiered, you know. Um, so I'll just say quickly, um, I don't know when I, I don't have a memory of when I finally got it. It was one of those fill in the gaps albums. And to me, I like it much better now than I did then. It's grown on me more over the years. Um, I think I still feel it's probably my least favorite of John's, all his, uh, you know, uh, official albums, not the, including, you know, the experimental things, the regular albums, only mm. really because it's not original material. Um, I, I enjoy the album now, but uh, yeah, at first it was, a, it took a while for me to get into it. You know, I enjoy it, but uh, we'll talk more about the individual songs as we go on. So, uh, how about you, Tom? What's uh, your first memory of that album, Rock and Roll? Well, uh, first let me just say that I am not the biggest fan of 50s and early 60s music, to be honest with you. Um, there's there's some that I like. You know, I, I do like a, a wide range of Little Richard songs, but uh, but to be honest with you, there's, there's a bunch that I'm just, you know, I'll listen to, but I, I just, I'm not you know, going out and buying that, that stuff, era music. Anyways, that being said, um, this shirt, you know what this is from? Sure. Uh, the Imagine, yeah. John, Imagine Lennon John Lennon film. Yeah. So the first, the first song I heard from that album would have been Stand By Me, which was on, which was in, on the soundtrack. Um, uh, then I got the book uh, for Christmas and then his, his, uh, his discography is, is in there. So that's where I learned uh, what, where that album was, where that song was from. Um, however, I didn't uh, get the album until uh, until 2004, to be honest with you, when this was oh. released. Um, so yeah, we got to talk uh, about that mix too, that improved mix. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. right. So this is the, when I bought this in 2004, that's the first time that I heard the, uh, the whole album. And like I said, I was not in a hurry to get this, to be honest with you, because again, I just, you know, that era of music is, is, is not my favorite. So um, playing it though, I mean, it's enjoyable. I mean, listen, Lennon has some, I think some really strong vocals uh, on this record. And, um, but it's, it's not one that I, I, that I, that I rush to grab when I go on a, on a, you know, drive or, or, you know, on the way to work or, or whatever. So, but, uh, but for me, it's enjoyable, but it's, uh, you know, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I, I get fully get, I get you. Okay, kidding you. Positively negative, as I, as I like to say. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, yeah, I've been trying to think of, of when I, I first picked up, and it actually, it may have been around the time that Imagine the documentary came out and Stand By Me was on it, but I got the original, I mean, I, I, I got it long before 2004, so I, I got the original mm. mix, and I probably got it on cassette. 
I, I think I, mm. I did because, you know, being an 80s kid, I, you know, I had it on cassette. Um, and I was excited uh, to get it because I am a 50s rock and roll geek. And, and, and a couple of people in the comments have taken my classes, so they know that. Um, and, and early 60s. Uh, and so I was excited because, I mean, hey, this is John Lennon, one of the best rock voices ever. And so I thought, this is going to be great, you know, and, and Stand By Me, of course, is a, is a great cover. We'll, we'll get to all that in a minute. Yeah. Um, I initially didn't really care for it very much. I kind of thought it was a missed opportunity because I, I didn't like the mix. Well, we'll get to the remaster in a while, as you said, Joe. Um, I didn't care for the mix. I also was not a big fan of Phil Spector at the time. I've changed my opinion of him over time, though. Um, and I, I just thought some of it sounded a little rushed. I, I just thought it was not as good as I was expecting it to be. You know, I had a very high bar set, you know, for mm. for the album. So for a long time, I, I didn't really play it very much because I just thought, oh, this could have been so much better. Uh, but as we talk tonight, and as I've listened to it over the years, uh, I've changed my opinion on, on some of the songs. So, uh, so we'll, you know, talk about it. But at the time yeah. when I first heard it, I just was like, eh, you know. Yeah. Not as good as I thought it was going to be. Uh, and I'm, I don't know what it was, why at first I wasn't that wild about it. I'm beginning to think maybe we should go through some songs now when mm -hmm. we're talking about it after all. I don't yeah. want to take time away from Paul's. You know, we're going to do all right. Paul's album and then maybe, you know, join together, some thoughts together on them. Whereas we'll just run down a few favorites. I mean, for me, I love Stand By Me on the on the album. It's my favorite. Mm -hmm. I like even better than uh, the, mm -hmm. the classic. Well, I like the classic version too of course um but at first i used to think that i don't know even as a john fan even i thought his vocals when i first heard this at the younger times i just thought they weren't as powerful as like some of his best beatle rockers um but i i don't feel that way anymore but at first i was like yeah it, it, it seems like john's a little more laid back than i'd expect him to go trying too hard or something don't feel that way these days when i listen to it um but as far as um, tracks go, I think we should, let's just spend some time to talk about highlights, what we like on the album. If there's a few you don't like, you know, you, you think are poor, I'm, I'm open for that, you know, but uh, let's go, let's go. Kid, I'm going to bounce back to you again. Let's, uh, okay. let's, let's go. Uh, I, uh, well, as you said, Stand By Me is great. Um, I love the Rip It Up Ready Teddy medley um i think you know to me that's what i wish the whole album <laughs> had been mm -hmm. like i mean i just sound like he's just sounding like he's having a ball with this um you know the horns are are tight uh it's it's just a, a classic slipping and slide slipping and sliding i i love that's another one that was one that when i first heard it i immediately was was drawn to um you know john's vocals again are just you know i love that raspiness uh he gets and of course you know you know i love horns uh and so <laughs> that <too>. was <laughs> you guys know that um love his rendition of peggy sue you can hear his his reverence for buddy holly on this i mean no doubt about it mm. um and uh and i i just uh you know what i mean it's a straightforward tribute no doubt about it he doesn't really you know he's not trying to reimagine it now the one 
I think I, I think I like that he does reimagine is Boney Maroney. Um, you know, I think he slows it down a bit, but uh, and it's a bit bluesier, a little grittier, but I think it works. You know, I think I, I like his a little bit of a bluesier, you know, a little sexier vibe that that he has on this. And I think it works um, mm. on the whole. Um, I, you know, at first I wasn't sure, but I've really come around on, on that. But probably the worst track for me just because. That was one of two. Uh, <laughs> yep i i just yeah that really was you know i just felt he did it as a throwaway and and i just mm. thought oh come on that's a great song <laughs> what did you do <laughs> yeah yeah he picked you know, he picked he picked the wrong just because is what he did. <laughs> yes yeah yes oh, they're both great songs yeah but it just <laughs> but it's true. just but it works i think it works as a closer on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, and this is a good time for me to say it. I love at the end when he goes, and I don't have it exact. And so we say farewell to record plant, record plant, etc. And he mm-hmm. said he later he didn't know at the time, but is this him really saying goodbye to the business? Because he took mm-hmm. a break after that, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Throw that in there. But yeah, all yeah. right. So those are some. But the rest, uh, but, the, but those are the highlights for me. Those are the yeah. highlights. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Tom, how about you? I, you know, I echo what Kit said. I mean, Stand By Me, I think, is is the highlight of the uh, of, of the album. I think they did a great job, you know, picking that as as the uh, the lead off. Was that was the lead off single, right? There was another right. single too. Yeah. Um, well, Slip It uh, and Slide was slide supposed to be a second and, single. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they had another one. Did well, they? I think they did that in another country because I have the I have the yeah, single. Yeah. Um. So, but um. Uh, but yeah, I, I do love uh, "Stand by Me." Um, I do like the slipping and sliding. I do like the uh, I, th- I like the "Ain't That a Shame." I think that's not bad. I do uh, like the uh, little Richard uh, "Rip It Up" and and "Ready Teddy" a uh, little medley. I think that's a standout as well. Uh, but again, the, I mean the rest of the tracks. I think you know comparing the two when we get to that. I mean I'm, I'm going to find that I prefer the other track listing. Uh, not saying that those songs are better. I'm just saying I prefer the track listing to to this track listing, which, you know, again, you know, and did he, he was supposed to do three Chuck Berry songs, right? And did he even do three? I, th- uh, I see two You can't here. catch me, know. Sweet Little 16. 16. Right. Um, I think that's it. And but and wait a minute, are you, ref- are you referring to the Morris Levy three songs? Maybe they were yeah. another one. Those they didn't have to all be Chuck Berry. They, right. did, because... they didn't have to be, okay, they just no. had to be Chuck Berry songs. Okay, no, I'm pretty sure yeah. you yeah. can't catch okay. me how to be in there, but the <clears throat> right, other two right. were supposed to be um, Angel Baby, okay. and John didn't right. like the recording of Angel Baby. Gotcha. So I didn't put it Which on is, the album. And I like it now. I'm giving, I love it Well, now. see, <laughs> and that's what I'm, that was my next comment was, is okay, so, so I didn't hear it originally, so I got the 2004, which has the bonus uh, cuts yeah. on there that has Angel Baby on there, which mm-hmm. is a damn shame that that song is not that didn't make the uh, the final cut um, because I think that's 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 really good. And uh, however, I, the one I wish he never redid because he did it perfect the first time, and that is to know her is to love her. I really mm-hmm. wish he didn't mm-hmm. go back and 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 do that one uh, because I mm-hmm. thought the what he did back in you know what was it for BBC. Yeah, uh, that's priceless. Yeah, was yeah. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. yeah, one of my yeah. favorite BBC you know? recordings. I, yeah, yeah, I like it on there very much. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What he did then compared to this, this, the, the update. Yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. I mean, look, look. There's some really good so- stuff on here, but um, you know, it's, it's far and few between. Unfortunately, I got you. Well, I just want to chime in and say um, one of the songs that I like that I don't think anybody's mentioned yet, and a lot of people hate this version, I think, is the version of Sweet Little 16 that's on here that's nothing like the mm. rocking, you know, yeah. kind of Chuck Berry one. I love I the arrangement. That's I just love it. Um, and I remember, I, keep, I always tell the story where I remember listening to, I think it's the Dennis Elsa's interview, or was it, uh, no, it might have been, no, um, the one with Scott Muni. I don't know what it was, but there's one when he's, he's playing the song. Probably was Scott Muni, because that was mm-hmm. late. Anyway, he goes, that's the dance hall version, he says, or something like that, of that song. You know, I, I just like the different arrangement. Sometimes they work for me, sometimes they don't. And I really does a lot of good, like, uh, intense screaming you know, uh, later on or getting really into the song. I just like his delivery on that song. So that's a standout for me personally. I, I think I, I'm on a small island with that. Uh, I got to call it. Oh, no, thank you. I, I love that version. Oh, go good. So I don't feel so bad. Maybe I yeah. will do a tango or something with it, you know. <laughs> uh, take, Maybe later. <laughs> and, uh, I love Stand By Me, as I said. Bebop Alula, I actually love that as an opener. And I like this. I usually don't like a lot of that echoey stuff and that quality that he puts on his over his vocals. I kind of like that slight yeah. reverby sound to that. I love his version of You Can't Catch Me. You know, uh, I just wish it, w- it was clearer. I wish the production had been better on a lot of these, which was cleared up yeah. on the clearer version. I think the 2004 it was. Mm-hmm. CD, yeah. that's a really good remix to that. If people want to check that out, along with the Mind Games uh, mix around that era, too. Yeah. It, was, it was really good as a CD. Um, Ain't That a Shame is fun. Uh, I like that. Slipping and Sliding, I love I love John's uh, version of that. Yeah. I think it's it's terrific. Um, Boney Maroney, I, that's the one song I don't... I might have heard the original once, um, I don't, but I'm not familiar with it. I mean, I love... Mm-hmm. 50s and early 60s music I you know mm-hmm. uh, unlike Tom but that's I think that's because when I was a boy my mother had all those 45s and when I used to play my little Mickey Mouse record player I played all the 45 so I was listening to stuff like Little Star by the Elegance and yeah things like that and all kinds of things and some uh Bobby Rydell Ken yes <laughs> listening <thank you>. to <laughs> uh and I was playing like little bitty girl was one of the songs I think that's a b-side actually it was a little so I got an appreciation that she took me to see American Graffiti the Lords of Flatbush and mm-hmm. uh one, one time they had the film documentary let the good times roll running running along with one of those as a double feature so I, I had an early music diet of that stuff um and those are the highlights for me actually the other ones are, there's nothing i really don't like on it now but as i say for me it, it, i'm gonna say it's probably my least favorite john album of all you know i i, I like sometime in new york city better sorry that's you know um but uh i enjoy it you know and it's i'm gonna say this that it's my least favorite because i want it to be fair when we get to the next album that we talk about so ken please oh. 
Oh, hold on, Ken, if you don't mind, real quick. Uh, John made a, an interesting point that yeah. I was actually going to say this, but I, I forgot to because I didn't write it down. Um, he said the acoustic guitar on Stand By Me reminds uh, reminds him of the acoustic guitar John plays on the on Ringo's version of Only You, mm. which, yeah, I do find it yeah. to be pretty similar. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we all know that the reason why Ringo did only you was that right. it was john's suggestion john. in the first place so yes yeah but yeah. um for me uh i like most of this album the, the funny thing about this is is that you know i heard about phil Spector producing it and then later on you learn that on the actual album when it, when it first came out there's only four songs that were the phil Spector productions mm. that he you know and you could tell you can really tell when you start off with Bebop Alula and it's much leaner in production and Stand By yeah. Me is much leaner. And then you get You Can't Catch Me, which has the, you know, wall of sound and Sweet Little Sixteen. But that still doesn't bother me at all. I think that there's a lot of fun on this album. And my favorite songs, let me just, this will make it easier. There's only two songs on there that I don't really <laughs> care for. And that's Do You Want to Dance? Even though yeah. I like the song I a lot, um, I don't mm. know if a reggae arrangement really works for that. Yeah, that, that's one of the weaker ones, I'll agree. And Yaya, yeah. yeah, which is a fun track, but I don't know if this arrangement, I don't think he put no. a lot of work behind the arrangement on it. But one of the one of the things I like that he did with Phil Spector, I like when he slows the songs down from what the original mm. hits were like, because it brings out his voice even more. And when he screams and he's got that great rock and roll voice, it's even more pronounced. So Sweet Little 16 really benefits from being a bit slower than the Chuck Berry version. Or I love Just Because, you know, I we all know John had one of the greatest rock and roll voices and certainly it shows on this album on so many of the songs um stand by me is priceless it's a it's a perfect recording of stand by me listen to john's vocals when he's doing the chorus it's yeah. so powerful um i love ain't that a shame a lot i love the whole piano part which really you know fills out the whole sound of the song and, and is a, a big you know focal instrument of ain't that a shame um slipping and sliding kicks mighty butt yeah it, one of the, it could be my favorite recording on the on the whole album it really rocks that's awesome. and i i do wish it had been released as a single here in the states even though stand by me only went as far as number 20 you made a very good point joe about you know this album that the 50s revival was happening around the time with american graffiti and happy days and maybe this album might have done a little bit better if it did come out in 73 you know, but the 50s revival was still continuing even after this. Linda Ronstadt had some hits with Buddy Holly songs, you know, so it still continued on in the 70s. But um, yeah, Slippin' and Slidin's great. Peggy Sue is phenomenal. I love the medley of Bring It On Home to Me and Send Me Some Lovin'. Those two songs that's, really that's flow. That's a good yeah. measure. Yeah, they, good. Yeah, they go well together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think You Can't Catch Me, I like a lot, but I think it goes on too long. It's about five yes. minutes long. Yeah. Boney Maroney, I like a lot. For the same reasons as I like Sweet Little 16 and Just Because. Slowing it down, maybe that should have been trimmed a little bit, Boney yeah. Maroney. But um, yeah. 
most of the album I do enjoy. I think Bebopalula is a great song to open with. And I also think for historical reasons, when you when you listen to these songs that are important to John and, and we're going to talk about Paul, it's a part of their history. You know, it's like 20 yeah. Flight Rock was such a big part of <laughs> Beatle history. Yeah. These songs have special meaning to them. Oh. Although I did hear that with rock and roll that, that Phil Spector um, chose some of the material, but I think John wouldn't have done it if he didn't. Yeah, like oh, no. anyway. Yeah. So, um, but overall, it's a very enjoyable album. And um, if there's only one or two songs that I didn't really care for, it's so worthwhile to listen to. And yeah. um, and I, I like I like the whole production of it. I like the Phil Spector production. I like the wall of sound. I like all those horns. <laughs> you know. You read that there were some times when they had more than 30 musicians in the studio. That's a lot to yeah. put on one. But that was what <laughs> Phil Spector was known for in that wall of sound of his. But I think it worked on the songs okay. that he that he worked on with John. And um, and I like when John held back and had Lena production too. I I, I so, can, uh yeah, real quick though, it wasn't uh, slipping aside. That was actually in France. Bebopalula was was okay. released as was. A, I have as that one. That's the one I was I was looking yeah. to look okay. for to put to put yeah. with my John Lennon yeah. rock and roll comb that came right promotional <laughs> frame that in that little 45 sleeve I'm gonna put yeah. it in there. Mm. but uh, i wanted to say uh, i i also i i much prefer the original version uh of yaya was that dorsey who's what lee dorsey lee dorsey mm -hmm. I, I think it's a lot of fun the, the original and I, I mean i just like the arrangement i don't like i don't care for john's version of that no, too much i don't either you know and i and i admit it's not my all-time favorite song period but but i yeah i like the original yeah. better I, I i didn't think this version worked yeah, an angel baby, which I mentioned before uh, briefly. I mean, now I, I love that track. I wish it was on the album. Now it's one of my favorite of the tracks. I, I really love the version that came out on "Give Me Some Truth." That's really cleaned up, and uh, even a part was removed from it. I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, at the beginning he says, "This here is one of my favorite songs." He says at the beginning of the mm -hmm. introduction as it's starting. It's a, it's nice to have that, but I didn't mind it being cut out. The way it's presented now without that dialogue at the beginning it, it works without it too it was nice to have it before but it's it, it really was spruced up i think so all right well it, it's we, interesting about? it's interesting to know what john didn't put on the album He's not just oldest. angel baby but yeah since my baby left me be my baby <laughs> that version yeah. mm -hmm. and to know her is to love her yeah, yeah. That, mm -hmm. that version of to know her is to love her is kind of ragged yeah it's, you know? it's dirty yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that didn't work mm -mm. yeah <clears throat> so all right should we move on to paul to paul album mm -hmm. all right uh choba b CCCP. Uber. Now, is it back in the, is that translated to back in the ussr or something close it's to supposed that? to mean that yeah, and and the actual pronunciation, I hope I get it right, is supposed to be Snova V S S S R. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Ah, okay. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but still, oh, when I do Snova my radio v show, C C C R. Okay, I don't know. A, AKA the Russian album. Yeah, um, I'll just stick with that. 
Yeah. And and the reason that they call it that is because the idea originally was that Paul wanted to uh, have this out in the Soviet Union exclusively, originally. Anyway, the mm-hmm. first release. And um, it was released there uh, October 31st, 1988. Uh, now, I my research tells me that the first press, uh, I think 400,000 copies only, but the first press was only 50,000 mm-hmm. copies, and that had right. 11 tracks on it. And then right. later on, right, it was second press a month later had two additional tracks. Right. So I guess if you have it with 11 tracks, that's more original than. Right. Like, so, know. yeah. So the one that he re-released there, what, 19, this this has the same track listing uh, as that original Russian uh, release. Yeah. And uh, can, can we say didn't... that again, Wait, Tom? Right. Yeah. That this one is the, right there. This is the... Yeah, this is the 2019 re-release, um, okay. and it has it has the same track listing as that original Russian. The eleven tracks. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Same right. order, same track listing. Yes. Okay. And you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, people speculate that after Press to Play, it didn't do as well as Paul would have liked the, the the reception to him that he went in with Phil Ramone you know, working uh, with that producer right. and uh, Once Upon a Long Ago, which I love. Mm-hmm. I really wish mm-hmm. I had more exposure. I love Once Upon a Long Ago and Back on My Feet, which I also love. Fantastic. You know, I love both of those. Uh, th- those came out of that. And there were 20 songs done for this album. Uh, you know, I guess Paul just wanted to do oldies and I don't know, maybe drown himself in the oldies, do re- live recording right in the studio and there's 20 songs that were done and what's some of the other ones uh that, that were not like i have i want to cry was not well you issued. yeah that's an original yeah you have, he has um, what he wrote he, yes original i want to cry is the original yeah but then you've got songs like i'm i'm in love again you know you've got um i'm gonna be a wheel someday um uh, summertime uh, it's now or never. As an Elvis, it's now, it's or, now never. or never, which which ended up on the uh, last temptation of Elvis oh, uh, double album, Elvis, yeah. which I like that yeah. very. I like Paul's version that very much, but I think maybe because it's, it sounds close <laughs> to meet Elvis that version. I don't know, but I like that very much. Um, yeah, so this has like an interesting history too. Wow, you know, and you know, well, you I could th- also the Americans could have, or not Americans, but people who were members of the Club Sandwich. Uh, they could have ordered it as well. So, yeah. if, you know, if you, if you were you know, not in Russia, <laughs> you know, you had the opportunity to get yeah. it if you were uh, if you were a member of the club sandwich. Oh, in I fact, didn't know that. I, I have a copy. One of the copies I have of the Russian album has the club sandwich with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a, you know, an extra bonus thing that I picked up. Mm. But one thing I, I was going to, you know, I have to bounce back. One thing we didn't say about John's rock and roll album, which we'll, I'll tie this in, is I didn't realize until I was doing some research here that it got up to number six on the charts in both UK and the US, the mm-hmm. rock and roll album. I didn't know it made it that high. Yeah, you know, so, it's respectable. You yeah, know, absolutely. Um, yeah, for an album like that. But I just happened to, I mean, because I was looking at my chart information here for this, um, you know, I, we should also mention, I should mention that it, it came out internationally, right? But that wasn't until 1991. Yeah, when, right, which is 
that's that's quite a while when you think about right it. however however people who bought the uh the cd singles and and singles from from paul mccartney you, we got a lot of that stuff yeah. uh during mm -hmm. on cd singles if you bought the, yeah. the 12 inch uh single of of uh once upon a long ago you got two tracks from from these sessions yeah, and then if yeah, you bought yeah, singles right. from flowers in the dirt you got a bunch of these tracks as well my brave don't face had bonus don't get around much anymore yeah I like, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah i remember that, that was those were some fun fun days for me getting these import yeah. 12 inch records with different tracks like that yeah. on there but um the charts for this in the night the 1991 uh worldwide release it was number 63 in the uk and mm. 109 in the us right yikes so that wasn't one of the better showings. Now, what happened in Russia with this? Wasn't it? Was it number one in Russia I, when it first came out? I, 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 I thought yeah. that was the case with that. I don't have any information on that. Well, what I remember about this album, I'll just talk about you know how we first remember it and stuff, is that this is a real rare album. You know, if you want to get it, how are you going to get it? I didn't have I didn't have Club Sandwich. I should have, hmm. but. I remember going into Manhattan in Greenwich Village, and they had people selling it there on the, the sidewalks. There were, there were the albums on the sidewalk, or they had shops too, so you didn't have mm -hmm. to buy it on the side. There were record shops, and that's I think how I got my first copy of it. You know, that, you know, it was like, oh, this is the rare McCartney album, you know. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you, I'll start it off this way: uh, I do not like this album at all, really. There's a few tracks I, I, I can tolerate. I just don't know what it is. I'm trying to put my finger on it. I, it's an album that I don't play much. I think I played maybe two two times. And then when the CD came out later, you know, worldwide, I played it again. I don't go back to this at all. First, we have the factor that for me, you know, again, it's it's not, you know, the original, uh, original work by Paul. That 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 and being up isn't the whole reason. I mean, you know, you st I still like covers and the Beatles do the stuff so well, but in this case, I put my finger on it. I don't know. I just don't. I think I'm not as wild about Paul's voice on this, or the arrangements of them. He, he sounds like you know, let's just get in there and do it, which sometimes works. Sometimes you get in there and just record it and do them, and and the spontaneity works. But there's something about it. I don't know. It seems a little. I don't want to say the wrong words because I can't. Put my finger on it. Well, half, a little more half-hearted for Paul, maybe. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, it's it's the mix. I think. I mean, it. A lot of these songs sound the, like they're being played in an empty music hall. Uh, right. Into my. In Some my, of the in guitars I heard in the back, yeah. like they weren't. Right. Right. So it doesn't. Well, I mean, if you were to compare this to like Run Double Run, I mean, Run Double Run will kick this this album's ass. In my opinion, yeah. But, that's what I want to say to save face here, folks, McCartney fans. Right. I love Run Devil Run. If we were talking about that, to me, that might beat out both albums. Easy. You, right. You know, John. So Apple. for me, yeah, for me, it's it's the production. I I think the track listing for me is better than Len, the rock and roll. However, the production on this, uh, it it sounds a little off. I don't know if they were if it was meant to be sound to be heard like that or not, but. Uh, but that that's the one thing that for me kind of you know kind of lessens the the enjoyment of this record for me what is it about i mean there's uh this, the song i think crack it up now this is gonna this is my moment to 
make a fool of myself here because I don't know how to describe the vocal thing that I'm talking about. There's something Paul does, bear with me, where he'll say something, he'll have this voice where he, I don't know how to how to say it otherwise than it, try to sing it. He kind of does this thing like, uh, how's the words? I don't even know the words. Uh, I do your laundry and your cooking too. Yeah, what more well, woman can a make like me do? <laughs> you know, he does this kind of, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, my dad, oh, you, yeah, why does he do that? You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying? I don't like when he does that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He does that. I don't know why. Just, just, just sing it, you know, the right way. When he does that, I don't like it. It's a, it's a personal thing. And, it, you know, I don't like when he does that. So uh, I'm not a fan of this album. It's my least favorite Paul album, you know, uh, the regular. I like. Kisses on the bottom, better, better personally if we're ranking them, you know. So um, yeah, now I've got it all out of the way is why I went first there. <laughs> uh, but I love Run Devil Run, love it. Mm-hmm. One day we'll do a show on that. Yeah. Okay. We'll that. So uh, yeah, so Ken, let, let's know what you you know when you got this album and everything and your feelings and so forth. Well, you know, this was one time when obviously anytime there's anything new from any of the Beatles, I'm excited about it. But, you know, my heart wasn't giving it 100% because I kind of felt like, you know, some of these recordings are really good. Some of these performances are really good. Some of them are just half-hearted, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think that part of the appeal in something like this you're going to find, and one thing I, I've learned a lot about Beatles fans is that for some, some, for some of them, production is very important. Um, some people like when production is really polished, a lot of work is put mm-hmm. behind it. Some people like raw, <laughs> you know, intense recordings um, or garage band type sounds. Um, garage band is kind of how I feel about this album. This is like if mm. Paul was in your basement and he was there yeah. with a four-piece group, this is what he would sound like. Without any overdubbing, without slickening the sound, this would be a natural sound for Paul and his band. And some people love that. because And real. with the door closed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I like a lot of this. There are songs on here. I think it's a very inconsistent album, but when he really hits it, like, for example, I love Don't Get Around Much Anymore. I love yeah. that arrangement of that song. And that's not a rock song, but he he gave it a rock arrangement. But, I mean, something like that, I think 20 Flight Rock, considering the history of how important that song was, you know, when yeah. John and Paul met each other um, for the first time, supposedly the first time. Um, I'm in love again. This, when he does Fats Domino, he is so much at home. Yes. <clears throat> Especially I'm going to be a wheel someday. That's a really oh, fun yeah. recording there. Um, and when he does Elvis Presley, he's right at home. And it, a, apart from loving the songs and knowing that he loved those songs, it helps you to understand, like we always heard, he had the little Richard voice. He also had the Elvis Presley voice. He could do the Fats Domino voice. Lady Madonna is very Fats Domino-ish. And Fats recorded Lady Madonna. So when he's doing material from these artists, He's just so perfect at it. I mean, just because is an absolutely fantastic recording. Yeah. It's a fun mm-hmm. recording. The band is rocking. This is exactly how I would want it to sound. But then there are certain recordings like um, 
I don't know. Lucille, I think Paul's vocals could have been better on Lucille. Yeah, surprisingly yeah. lackluster rather than I think. I mean, yeah. I, because he loves that song so much. And uh, I prefer the live one that he that he did uh, 79. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Campuchia and seven, yeah, yeah, the seventy nine yeah. tour. That's a fantastic performance of Lucy. Yeah. Um, that's all right, Mama. Again, he has a whole history with that song, and <laughs> you know, being an Elvis Presley um, song, um, he's right at home with that. Summertime, fantastic vocals on that song, I think. Right. And the fact that he's doing something different, he's doing a you know a musical song, George Gershwin. That stuff I like a lot, and I love cracking up. I didn't even know the original from Bo Diddley. Oh. And I like the fact that that has yeah. kind of a reggae, you know, arrangement to it. Those songs are fantastic, but sometimes they're not so good. It's it's inconsistent, but when he's good, he's really good. You know, whereas okay, I, like I think the... rock and roll is a much more consistent album. I think so. And there's a lot of good material on here as I'm reading. You know, I just wish he, like, Lordy, Miss Claudie, I, I like to hear uh -huh. him. And Kansas City, at first I'm thinking he's going to do the Wilbur Har Harrison version where it's a little, you know, it doesn't go, don't go into that, like, hey, 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 like the Beatles did. But he goes mm -hmm. into that, right? On this, he doesn't just sing it. He does a exactly. little bit of that. Yeah, he does, he has a know. little bit. Mm. You know, so, um, yeah, anyway, just... Yeah, well, that's interesting thoughts there. So that let's was move that on. was little Richard that part the hey 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 that yeah yeah little Richard yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. he puts he puts it in but he did it the same thing here as he did with the yeah. Beatles I was kind of hoping he was going to do the the single you know or, or, I don't know yeah. why but a little different from the Beatles feel right uh, kid kid how about you well I remember being really excited when this came out because of course you know I've been hearing about the album i mean it was you know back when i mean i think by the late 80s i had subscribed to beetle fan and i mean you know i heard about it that way and so when the news came out i and i did not subscribe to club sandwich so i didn't know that you could get this album through that so when it was announced you know in 91 we're finally going to get it i was like oh you know this is awesome finally mm -hmm. i can hear this whole thing you know and i liked it at the time um, you know, I, I really, and I loved hearing 20 flight rock because of the whole history behind it. And, and so, yeah. you know, I really liked it at the time and then run devil run came out years later <laughs> and completely changed my opinion of this. Was album. that Paul from Hamburg? Wow. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, as, as you said, Tom, run devil run kicks yeah this album's yep. i mean it it no no doubt yeah i mean it's you know paul just sounded so energized on that album and and here i i don't know i mean now listening to it you know all these years later and 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 all you can't help but compare it yeah it's it's interesting i guess part of it is as you said tom is is the mix it's the recording i don't know um and it doesn't the whole rawness part of it i mean it doesn't have to be polished um no you know that that doesn't bother me um it just at times it, it just sounds maybe you know paul sounds a little more i don't know restrained or something yeah, than he yeah, should I so. yeah i mean a little, and, and, a little half spirited i think yeah and you just think you know come on this is your 
know, this your milieu. I mean, this this should be, you know, right at home. But as you said, Ken, there are times where he does sound right at home. Mm, and when he's right. cooking, he's cooking. I mean, you know, I do like uh, his version of Kansas City because he does sound like he's having fun. You know, yeah. I mean, and, and this, uh, uh, as I said, 20 Flight Rock, I do like his version of it, uh, even though it, it could be a little looser. Than, than he's doing it. It still sounds a little on the stiff side, but it's still uh, still good. Uh, I do like his version of Lucille here. Um, and boy, the, the band that he had on this record, wow. I mean, even though they probably, you know, they may not have been recorded to, to really show them off to their, their best ability. Still, mm. I mean, the piano, the pianist on this was just right. top notch. I mean, top notch. Chris Witten, who of course, you know, we knew really well uh, from his uh, touring band back in the day. I mean, he was just spot on the guitar. I mean, just just great stuff. Um, I actually liked his version of That's All Right, Mama. I I, um, I thought it had just the right amount of v- reverb on his voice. I do think they got that right. Hmm. Um, that Because uh, I actually like the reverb on this better than the reverb on rock and rolls uh, bebop alula because i thought that overdid it a little bit and and here i thought they got that right just because i i thought okay john this is how it's done <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that one it's a different this just is, because though. i know it's, it's different just different. because yeah yeah but it's but i just thought why didn't you do this john this is this is this is how how you do it um <laughs> when did you pick this one uh because that that sounds fantastic so i thought those were were the highlights um yeah. but uh uh don't get around much anymore i i didn't love the rock treatment and i remember when i first heard this that was one of the cuts i didn't particularly like because i just thought i i prefer the jazzy version of that i just didn't know if i loved that as a rock song and i do remember mm-hmm. hearing that as the b-side you know so that was one cut that as you said that was not completely new um but um but yeah it's really interesting this is a perfect example of how your opinions can change over the years about an album because mm-hmm. when this first came out i was just like oh this is just this is so good and this is you know just to hear paul do these songs he's just the best at covering these and you know but then as i said run devil run came out and i mean yeah. he just sounded so different than this yeah. i mean he just sounded re-energized and I I just reinvigorated, um, reinvigorated, <laughs> and this you know it just really to me blew this out of the water and and uh, so now there are few cuts I like still off of this but yeah it just sounds very different now. Well, we're, well, we're talking about just because and back to the John version. Um, I'm not saying this is the result on the finished album, but wasn't that one of the notorious drunk tracks? That circulated when he was trying to think just because anybody ever hear that uh, yes yeah. yes and, yeah, was. i mean he doesn't sound drunk I, i'm just trying to make a i'm like scrambling for like a little excuse here that it doesn't there, sound there are functional drunk. drunks out there joe so oh, yeah. <laughs> this is for, this is for sure and uh yeah. you know, um, I, won't name, I won't name names but uh i gotta say the real low point of this album for me which i don't want to let go by I'm going to try to do it. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. However he does that. And, and ain't that a shame? Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, I was I just blow- a little annoying. Oh, yeah. I hate that. I got to be, it's a strong word, but I, 
you know, don't dig mm -hmm. that part, folks. Oh, <laughs> I'm not doing it as good as he does it. I'm, I'm going to edit that part. I'm going to pull that out, you know, when I, yeah. when I go back and edit this. I'm going to put that on a loop. <laughs> oh, that's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. And it's on a looper. All right. So, Tom, Tom let's make sure I want to get you in here. Well, yeah. Well, that's one of the things you brought up that, you know, that, that point about, you know, ain't that ain't that a shame. But one of the things that I, I, I do like to do with covers is, is see the, uh, uh, you know, when they take liberties, you know, what they do differently. And, and do I agree with it? Or I mean, I applaud them for taking liberties and taking chances, uh, sure. you know, but it doesn't always work. I mean, but that's subjective. I mean, it could work, work for me, but not work for Ken or vice versa. So, um, you know, I do like to listen to these records just for that to see what they do differently. And um, I remember getting, picking this up when it, when it came out, I remember being kind of excited. I, I, you know, I, I knew a lot of the, even though, like as I said, I'm not the biggest fan of the 50s music, but I do, I was excited because I knew a lot of these songs. Um, and, um, but then when I see Kansas City, I thought this was the, this, the, the, the not the same powerful Kansas City as we remember, um, you know, hearing, uh, what was it, uh, Beatles for Sale? Yeah, um, yeah you know, so, Beatles uh, you know, hearing that, or yeah. <laughs> so I remember feeling kind of little lack, you know, kind of down about that one. But uh, the 20 Flight Rock, I thought was was excellent. Big fan of Lottie, Miss Claudie. And, and you know, I, I prefer his version of Bring It On Home to to John's version um, yes. uh, on, on, rock, on Rock and Roll. I, um, I, you know, Lucille, I thought he did. He had a little bit more powerful, raspy voice on this one. And plus, I will, I will say, though, I do like the more stripped down version, although I'm not the biggest fan of the mix of this. I do like the fact that it's a little more stripped down. Uh, you don't have like 30 people in a room, like you said, Ken, with the mm -hmm. wall of sound uh, right. type thing. Not that saying that that that, this, you know, that that killed that, that those songs. But what I'm saying is that I just think that the stripped down version was maybe uh, the way to go. Um, cracking up, I, 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 I find very enjoyable. Um, the Midnight Special is just like, man, I don't want to hear anybody do that, but CCR. <laughs> I got so used to hearing, <laughs> you know, Credence do that song. It's just like, why, why? Um, but I will say that I love when he does Elvis. I do like uh, his this version of That's All Right, Mama. However, if you want to hear him do an even banger version of That's All Right, Mama, pick up uh, yep. the Sun. The Sun Rocket, Good Rock. I don't know if I heard, heard that one. When did I don't he know if I know that one. Yeah, this, that's uh, this the came one. came out in 2001, and he had the uh, the bass the player and the members. drummer, the Elvis, the, the original member of Elvis. Ah, band, there you go. Um, oh. Play. Uh, it's hard play, to beat Elvis on that. I think it's hard to beat Elvis, but uh, true, true. Uh, but 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 Paul, really, I think the singing on this version is is ten times better, or or the production of the mix, or however you want to say. It. Yeah. I mean, I I think on on this version, it's it's a lot better. He was very um, respectful of Elvis's version yes. there because it's the exact yeah. same arrangement. Yes. Yeah, cool. You yeah. know, well, yeah. check that out. Yeah, yeah, and plus he's got the bass too. I think Linda bought him that uh, stand-up bass right. uh, for his oh, birthday right. one year. That was yeah. on uh, so, Love and Soul. That was on the In the World. I think he used the bass on with the Heartbreak Hotel. Bass remember? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. In um, yeah, was that yeah. with Chaos so, and Creation? Um, special yeah yeah and then he also shows it in the the uh in the world tonight um uh, mm. documentary film as, oh, yeah. as well um so but yeah i mean again these are the 
you know, Ken, you said that, you know, they, they sound like they're having fun. Uh, you know, that's, I guess, one of the standout things about these two records for me. As you can tell, they, they love this music. Yeah, the Choba might not be as consistent as, as rock and roll, uh, but I like the track, track listing a little bit better. But um, it's still, again, unfortunately, I don't go to these as, as much as maybe I should. But, um, you know, I, I'm not going to turn them away. <laughs> so, <laughs> I still think the, uh, the whole idea of production is very important when you're comparing these two albums, yeah. really. Because yeah. I can't yeah. tell you how many fans that I've spoken to who will tell me they prefer Paul yeah. when it's just a natural sound, mm -hmm. when he's mm -hmm. not overproduced, when he's not overly slick. Some people might right. think, as powerful as Run Devil Run is, it's so perfect right. and polished that everything they might prefer something more like this. Right. Mm -hmm. But but he did it the same way as he did this. I mean, it, it took place two days. I mean, probably right. different members on, on both days. Um, you know, it's just unfortunately, you know, I think Chris Thomas did a, you know, just a little bit better of a job you know, mixing, you know, yeah. the, the record than say uh, than than the Russian album. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think we're, you know, what's fascinating about both albums is that, you know, it, it gives you an insight as to, of course, the songs that shape yeah. them, you know, and the yeah. artists that shape them. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what fascinated me about both of them, you know, and, and made me excited about hearing both of them is, you know, I wanted to hear them, you know, play these songs that and that clearly meant you know the world to them and then mm. you know meant mm. so much to them i know with john F full specter picked some of the songs i know that but uh but in but still i'm you know these were the artists that that shaped them and and so i wanted to hear you know how they were going to cover them and how right. they were going to interpret them so uh so i you know was really you know interested and and and, and excited to hear them um and yeah, and as we've talked about, uh, some of them worked out well, and some of them, you know, not, <laughs> not so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also why it's so important when you're studying the Beatles to to try and and um, realize all these other artists that they grew up with in the '50s, some well known, mm -hmm. some lesser known, um, right. and the Beatles did such great versions of oldies when they were together. That was a big part of their lives. You can listen to all the BBC stuff, which is wonderful. Live at the Star Club, you know, read about all the songs that they covered live, many of which we'll never hear them do. But um, I'm happy every time that that Paul in particular reaches back and wants to do some 50 stuff. Oh, you exactly. Know, it's so much a part of his history. And it seems like you look at these two time periods when he needs to recharge his batteries, Go back and do fifties rock and roll. Well, now, that's, I yeah. I don't know how how he felt about the sessions with Phil Ramone, as much as I love Back on My Feet and Once Upon a Long Ago, and he did a lot of material with Phil Ramone that still yeah. is unreleased to this day, which hopefully will come out in an archival box set. But um, yeah, I'm sure he wasn't happy about the sales of Press to Play. So to recharge his batteries, I think what better thing to do than get a bunch of musicians together and do this 50 stuff that I love so much. And likewise, Run Devil Run was around the time when right, right. after Linda died. Just right. to say that. Yeah. Exactly. He needs he needed something to, you know, pump him up. 
<laughs> you know, right. his creative also, juice is flowing again. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Also, you should check out the um, I Want to Walk You Home that Paul does for the Fats mm-hmm. uh, Domino uh, two-disc oh, yeah. uh, right. set. Uh, I want this really all well. collected. I want a big Paul box. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> My most desired thing, you know, we used to call it gold mm. cuts or some kind right. of real odds and sods kind of box with mm-hmm. everything, even if it's repeated off of the archives. Mm-hmm. Put it all in there. That's what I want really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, He should have done an entire album of Fats Domino. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> because very even good. now, with all the yeah. talk about his, his aging voice, so much of Fats Domino's stuff is in a low register that he can handle. Mm. And he he's can very good at interpreting Fats Domino. Next, next idea. Yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, yep. What do you say, Paul? Come on. I know, I know you're watching. Come mm-hmm. on. Paul loves <laughs> Fats. That's the name of the Yep. <laughs> and he's yeah, very good at interpreting Fats. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering, any more uh, thoughts on anything you want to put together about both albums? Or, I mean, I'll leave it to anybody if you can think of any other point you want to make I, or do we cover it well it's two very different approaches oh, yeah. in making an album it's the same in the sense that it's 50s and and early 60s and even in the case of paul's album doing uh summertime a much earlier song and don't get around right. much anymore but still i mean if you want something that's looser production wise and it sounds like this is paul with a band as natural sounding as if he was in your own house with the band doing it then probably uh the russian album is more to your liking if you want something that's much more produced and all i really like most of the arrangements on rock and roll then that's more to your liking so they're very different i can't really say which one i like better because that's why i go by yeah that's why i go by track list on these because i tend to like you know, Paul's a little bit better because I just p- tend to like those particular songs a little bit better. I you like know? John's much better yeah. in this case. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. this case. Probably you know, I do, you know, lean a little more toward Paul's, but as I said, you know, over the years, I, I have grown to appreciate John's rock and roll album a bit more. And as you mentioned earlier, Joe, that 2000 was a 2004 remix. Yeah, 2004. That did a lot of good. Yeah, we can't stress that enough. Check, no, check yeah. Check, Go check with that, that version because the original version, which is what I heard first time, I think that was a big part of the reason that I didn't initially like it because it was so muddy sounding. The 2004 remix, way better. Way better. <laughs> so I go agree. with that one. <laughs> yeah all right so that's our shoe i suppose folks and uh <laughs> i don't know i'm looking for last minute comments a lot of comments we had a lot of people here. in here i know paulina really likes uh this album the, the paul's russian album and and andy we should mention andy nichols your, your partner on two legs tom he loves this record uh rock and roll this one too yeah it's no he loves rock and roll it's his favorite john oh, yeah, rock and roll is his favorite john yeah. Lennon album. Wow. i almost thought should we have andy on here for this i almost thought you know yeah yes <laughs> we gotta uh, find out why well he did tell he did say why if i can spill the beans he says because hmm. that's john 
That's John. Ron was rock and roll. That's John, who he is. Now, I beg to differ. Yes, that John was a rocker at heart, but I think John's original songs are John, really. You <laughs> yes. know, he puts all his own angst and his pain and his love and everything and his philosophies in his songs. That's John, too. So I know what, I know what Andy's saying when he says rock, you know, John was rock and roll and all that. I know what he means. But uh, oh, I, Our... I would like to say one thing. Um, and, and certainly I respect your opinion, Kit, and how you feel about the 2004, the remix. I never had a problem with the original mix. So mm-hmm. I like both. You know, when mm-hmm. it comes to most of the solo music, I think that they all became really good producers in their own way. And sometimes they had co-producers on their albums and all. But um, I never had a problem with the original mix of rock and roll. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it just always sounded very muddy. Uh, some of the tracks and, and more than others to me like i think I, I i much prefer you can't catch me on the, the 2004 for example yeah. right that his voice was really hard to i didn't know couldn't hear a lot of the words that's true. That, or make yeah. out the words you know it's still mm-hmm. hard to make out the words mm-hmm. <laughs> these days you just go on you go okay you know lyrics yeah, that's <laughs> you know, because yeah. there was no lyric sheet with that. Usually, John provides lyric sheets, but there was no lyric sheet with the rock and roll album. Uh, right. For whatever so, reason. Yeah. Our good friend uh, Tom uh, Liberani, who of course was on uh, on our show uh, just about a month or so ago, uh, said, "I think the band Paul had on Run Devil Run was a, a bit more polished than the musicians used on the Russian album." Oh, they had. Uh, gee, what's this? The great. Wow. Gilmore. Dave Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. Dave, Dave Gilmore. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Pace, you know, so. yeah. yeah. But All right. I, oh, oh, go ahead. Do you want more polish? Yeah. After <laughs> yeah. yeah. hearing and, this one, I want a little more polish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. you know, and I think this episode has showed, yeah, for, uh, you know, the producer and, and mixing all, it matters. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It really well, does. Paul, Paul just really had, you know, with Run Devil Run, I feel he just had really had a lot more fire in his belly yeah. so to speak it just sounds like that to me i don't know off the charts now yeah. you know so mm-hmm. well that was that was fun okay it well really now uh, we're going to talk business and uh i always like to leave it to kit to that you know let us know uh what, what where they get you know where they can find us and all that kind of jazz uh yes i will do that and also we have a a couple of programming uh notes uh, to oh, share yes, well yes yes uh so first of all uh you can of course find us on this youtube channel right here and please uh subscribe if you haven't done so already and please tell your friends and uh, and as always you know we thank you for all of your support and uh you know really we couldn't do the show without you and uh, you know we thank all of you for for just your continued support and your comments and, and everything. So um, so you can find us here. You can find us on our Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TalkMoreTalk1, the number one. Uh, you can reach us via email at TalkMoreSoloTalk at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at TalkMoreTalk.com. Uh, now, our next episode is going to be our panel uh from the fest so uh so that's going to be our next episode so i'm not sure precisely when that's going to be up uh that will of course be after the fest so it'll be sometime after uh august uh 13th so as soon as i can i will edit that and and get that up here so of course 
uh, you will know um, when, uh, when that will go up. After that, um, we are going to be taking a, a bit of a summer hiatus. Uh, we, we just need to, you know, have a, have a little summer break. So we, we will be back. So don't worry, but, uh, but we're just taking uh, the rest of the summer off. So we will, of course, let you know uh, when the break will be over. So, uh, so that's, uh, those are just a couple of programming notes. So, uh, and somebody asked, uh, Mark uh, asked in the comments, uh, will there be a virtual option for attending the fest? I think there will be, but I don't know if everything is going to be available, um, you know, virtually. I don't know if our panels will be broadcast live, but don't worry, uh, because as I said, ours will be available as a program, and Andy Nichols is going to be recording everything, like all the panels are <laughs> on together. I mean, everything, Ed is going to be, uh, you know, taping toppermost of the poppermost and, you know, so don't worry, we're, you're gonna find this stuff on all of our channels. So if you can't see stuff on the virtual option, you'll, don't worry, you'll see it on, on all of our different channels or hear it. So, so that's- uh, All right, and uh, what about, uh... What everybody's up to? Some news. Mm -hmm. Go back to Kit. Kit, what are you? What's okay. going on with you? Okay, uh, just uh, just a couple of brief things. Uh, I am going to be teaching. Uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but I'm going to be teaching a couple of classes. Uh, one starts in September. I'm going to be teaching a four-part series mm. on the British invasion. So I think probably some people who are watching would be interested what? in that. What was that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, again through Monmouth, and so of uh, Revolutionary one, War was that, yeah, what? that one? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, and so uh, part one starts uh, September nineteenth. It'll be September nineteenth and September twenty sixth. Uh, it's part one, which is beginnings and influences. So this is going to be just right before the British invasion hits. So I'll be talking about you know, groups that influence groups like the Beatles and so forth. And then part two will start December 7th and it will last December 7th, 14th. It'll be the first wave, 1963 through 1967. Uh, I'll post hmm. all the registration links. So really looking forward to doing that. Uh, and uh, the latest Hoppermost of the Poppermost episode is up, and it's actually from last month, uh, but it's the B-side American charts. And just want to remind you guys, uh, I said it at the beginning of the, uh, the episode, uh, the panel we're going to be doing is another, uh, at the fest, is going to be another Rack Our Brains. So please send in your questions for our esteemed panel, and you can uh, submit your questions right in the comments. Uh, right on this video, and you just need to send them in before August 11th. So. Okay. All right, Kit. Tom, what's going on? Well, busy, busy business as always. Is that um, uh, what? Ten days ago, we we, we dropped an episode. We had a, a friend of the friend fan of the show. Uh, his name is Kyle Han. He made a great suggestion. Uh, we did a show called 21 in the 21st. Is what what we did? Is we 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 took a uh, we picked our, you know, 21 favorite songs of the 21st century. We made a double album uh, out of that. So that was a lot of fun. And thank you for that suggestion. And if you have suggestions, you know, you can email us at twolegspodcast uh, at gmail.com. And we love to, to hear your suggestions. And we find it uh, 
a, um, find it a good suggestion, we'll, we'll, we'll do it on, put it on a show. Uh, this past Saturday, we, we um, in the past, we did a, a series about uh, John and Paul uh, with friend Anthony Rattuno. Uh Now we're moving on uh, to George and Paul, and we had a friend, Owen Ling, who uh, I'm sure a lot of people just love some of his opinions. And, <laughs> and, uh, and um, but he was, he was a hoot uh, to have on, and, and he'll be joining us for part two. This might be a part uh, a three-part series, but the first part took uh, uh, focuses on the years uh, 69 through 75, and obviously we talk about the stuff that happened prior to uh, 69. So just don't think that it, it it it's just those years. But part two will probably be you know, some like you know 76 to 85. Just depends on how much stuff um, we find to talk about. So that was a lot of fun. Um, this coming Saturday, we're going to do an episode on, we're going to do a, um, a watch, watch, uh, the, uh, in the world tonight, uh, documentary video, uh, from 19, uh, what was that? 93, 97, uh, uh, seven, no, sorry. Thank you. 97. That was to coincide with the, the release of flaming pie. Uh, so we watched that and we talked about it. We reviewed that as, as well. So that was fun. And then we're also got to look, be on the lookout for, uh, an episode with, um, uh, Mark Easter and Chip Mattinger, and we're going to be talking about uh, the year 1989. And uh, don't call it a comeback because he'd been all he'd been here all along. Comeback, but I mean, but I mean, it's an interesting thing though because to you guys, let's let's real quick. Uh, 89, Flaming Pie. I'm sorry, Flowers in the Dirt. Was that a comeback or a return to form? What What do you guys consider Both. that, Ken? What, I don't do consider, consider it either because Press to yeah, Play was a great good. album to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there you go. so it's, yeah, it's, world it's all in the way that you look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, can, can I just say when yeah. we had Ken Womack on a while ago, we were talking about um, the George Harrison album, that that was his return to form. Like, what was wrong with 33 right. and a third? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was it's 11 years ago. Love that album. <laughs> so I think, yeah. creatively speaking, I think that uh, Press to Play was a magnificent album. It just wasn't received very well right. publicly. So was it a comeback, Flowers in the Dirt? In terms of critical success, yes. It still didn't yeah. sell that well right it only went as high as 21 on the charts and that's and the tour and the tour you know you know i mean oh yeah 89 in general not not just speaking about the album but yeah i mean went to number one in the uk but uh you know we're we're here in the states but i know we we, i I mean it's you know know. yeah Yeah. but still uh, i I get i get upset when i hear that that was his comeback right no yeah i i think history shows it yeah or maybe but, it uh, wasn't an after that. Thought. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, did, why are you thought, saying as usual, shows that? It well, because it does. I mean, I don't want to get to a big argument now at the end of the show, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> you time, this is what want. the fans want. This is what they want. They want us to argue. <laughs> argue. You know, because that's what you know. You know, you have to. There's a, things exist as a vibe for a reason. You know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like you know that such and such was a, mm-hmm. a failure or such and such was a success, and you know, like Broad mm-hmm. Street is generally considered, right? You know, a failure or a, a low point for Paul. Generally, now people love it, like Mr. Broad right. Street. Hey, Ed, how you doing, Ed? Ed loves it. That's fantastic. But it, you know, right. I think people things get reputations for a reason, and I, you know, I just mm-hmm. think that generally people think, and this is a topic for another show. Again, right. it's two hours in. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, 
Paul, I believe, like is the general feeling, I think in general that he lost his way somewhere after Broad Street and was, you know, trying different things. And I like a lot of what he did. Spies Like mm-hmm. Us, some of the songs off for us to play and, you know, Once Upon a Long Ago, yada, yada, yada. And then uh, I think he really started getting like bigger again and more uh, respected more. Okay, after. well, that's why we do shows like this, but there's lots right. of different exactly. opinions out mm-hmm. there. Well, which we've I... expressed here and I've expressed on mm-hmm. my channel. And mm-hmm. I certainly don't think right. that that the, the second half of the 80s that Paul was lost, you know, mm-hmm. like like it's been said. So, but um, right. that's why we talk about oh. it here. So we have different opinions. Right. Well, sorry I opened that can of worms. But, but, but uh, please check us out on YouTube, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, and please subscribe. And... Thank you for everybody that subscribes to this show. If Wait you're a an older person that has kids, have them listen to this show. Have them listen to the music as well. Introduce them mm-hmm. to the music because we would love to get younger people uh, to, to, to listen to the music and to listen to us talk about the music. And Ken, <laughs> Marcus, go ahead. Save us for we got to rush these up. <laughs> uh, Ken, what are you, what are you doing? What, like, okay, I first of all, a lot, a lot. I, I just want to say that um, between... <laughs> Between this show and things we said today that I've been blessed, we've been blessed, we had the two Marks on. Mark Hudson on this show, Mark Rivera on things we said today. And by the way, thank you to everybody who wrote in to us about the Mark Hudson show, that he was one of the best. I agree. He's a fantastic person to interview. He's got Mm -hmm. so many stories to tell. He's never at a loss for words, Mark Hudson. (laughs) Anyway, so thank you to all of you who wrote to us about that. Mark Rivera did a two-part interview with us on things we said today. You should know Mark as being the music director for Ringo Starr and his, his all-star band. And um, <clears throat> over 30 years with Billy Joel as a sideman for him. So we did a lot of talking mm-hmm. about working with Ringo, the different lineups, some talk about Billy Joel, lots of talk about the Beatles, what the Beatles have meant to Mark. Um, and it was wonderful. So if you can check out the, the two-part interview with Mark Rivera, things we said today, on my channel, Ken Michaels Radio, we just did another Ultimate Beatles trivia show, number seven, and Annie Nichols returned as the reigning champ. He had previously won the last two shows. We'll see if he wins in the third, makes it three in a row. He's joined by John Montagna, who's been a guest on this channel and things we said today. John is a bass player. He played in the Alan Parsons Project for seven years. If you love the Happy Together tours, he's been a member of the house band. He's been at the Fest for Beatle fans doing bass clinics. He was one of uh, the people who challenged Andy, one of the contestants. And Susan Ryan was also one of the contestants. And she has been a fixture at the Fest for Beatle fans. She's been on a lot of panels. And she also is one of the co-authors of this recent book, Fab Four Cities. Liverpool, Hamburg, London, and New York, all the major venues in those four cities. And um, so Susan and John both challenged Andy, and there's lots of Beatle games and trivia questions in that show, just like what I do on my website and on my radio show, every little thing. If you can, check out Ken Michaels Radio. That's the YouTube channel. My website is kenmichaelsradio.com. Like I just mentioned, Beatles Trivia. Um, I have a new one up for the game Scrambled Eggs. That's a game I just dreamed up, by the way. <laughs> and, um, See what you did there. By the way, oh, do I have it here? I don't think I have it here. But um, 
since Mark Rivera was just on things we said today, I had one copy left of his CD that he put out in 2014 called Common Bond. And Ringo was on one track drumming called Money, Money, Money. You can win a copy of that CD. It's one of 10 prizes you can win between books, CDs, and DVDs on my website, kenmichaelsradio.com. My radio show is Every Little Thing. If you want to hear it, the easiest way to do so is uh, to go to the website for WFDU. That's Fairleigh Dickinson University's website. Um, it's WFDU.FM. And they post my show, Every Little Thing. They make it available for two weeks after they run it on the radio station. So you go to their uh, page where they have archival shows, type in Every Little Thing, and there's two shows there that you can listen to. So um, you'll get a taste of the radio show I've been doing for 41 years now. Beatles, wow. Solo, thematic sets, interviews, rarities, hits, a mixture of all that, all packed into one hour. So that's where I'm at. Well, I tell you, this has been some show. It's exhausting and it'll fun. But I want to say thank you to everybody for watching and thank all of my co-hosts here. So I'm going to say on behalf of Kid O'Toole, Tom Agnani, Ken Michaels, this is Joe Mayo saying we've gotten to the top. I'm too tired to rock. <laughs> <laughs> Good acting there.